0: Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week's episode is a bit of a weird one. The party next door hit shelves last week and it's totally unlike any other magazine I've ever seen before. In fact, I'm not sure it really is a magazine at all. It's presented as a 12 inch vinyl record inside a screen printed sleeve, which in turn is held in a card gatefold. So it looks to all intents and purposes like a 12 inch record rather than a magazine. Yet it's presented as issue one, and while the audio on the record is primarily music, it has this other layer of meaning because it was all recorded at a house party with all the noise of the party also included. It's all the brainchild of Andrew and Ian Foxall at Foxall Studios here in London and it's a deliberate attempt to look beyond the conventions of magazine publishing and find something that's new and challenging, a new way of doing things. Andrew came over to Somerset House to speak about the project and we began by covering his magazine Making Pedigree before getting down to the details of the party next door. I'm sort of aware as I'm saying all this that it's kind of hard to describe what this thing actually is. So before you hear from Andrew, here's a quick excerpt from the audio and I'll include another one at the end of the conversation too. Andrew, thank you very much for coming over to the offices.
1: Pleasure. Hi.
0: And thank you for bringing your weird-ass magazine project with you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>
1: Great intro. <laughs>
0: so before we get into like the peculiarities of the Party Next door, yeah, tell us a little bit about how you came to this. What, what's your background? What have you been doing with magazines more generally?
1: Sure. Um, so my brother Ian and I, who... We've run Foxhall Studio for the last 10 years, and we actually started it in Istanbul, where I had been for about four years previous, and that's where we started. It was really reluctant to start doing magazines. and
0: Why were you reluctant? It's a beautiful thing to do, making magazines. It
1: was great, fantastic. No, it is now. It took me a while to come around to it. But it's not, it was reluctant because I'd, I'd studied fashion and graduated in fashion design and more into... Sort of the anthropological side of it, trends, uh, forecasting, and then I moved to Istanbul with a friend who I actually studied with uh, in fashion to do some fashion things, and then ended up being asked to do this magazine um, or start a magazine, which I had no previous history of magazine design or anything to do with that, and I. Uh, It was for this the Marie Claire editor of Turkey at the time. Marie Claire was the only international publication, so she was being given all this kind of really interesting content from people in Turkey who wanted to kind of get out of Turkey into a foreign market with with this foreign title. So she she had this big pile of stacks of DVDs and CDs piling up with no output for it. Heard somehow that I was in town and asked what basically told me to do this magazine for her uh, it was called biz which is um it's, that means we in Turkish and it was uh it kind of uh, i guess overturned the soil in turkey in in a really interesting time it's like it was after the two two thousand three four five six so it was a very sort of creative time in Turkey it had suddenly become really easy for foreign companies to come in after two thousand so laws had changed and so it meant there's lots of sort of local companies competing with foreign companies, and so a very creative time so we um yeah so this this the magazine came out at a time where we were able to kind of champion the next wave of not just photographers it was people who were doing film and, and also to get rid of the old the old guard, so we managed to piss off a lot of people uh, very quickly doing that and so that was the start of my, that's why I say reluctantly, because I didn't want to do a magazine. And it was only because we were, I was yeah, almost told by this girl, Fatos Yana, and she's who's now, she's retired from Marik there, did it. she's like the queen bee of fashion and publishing in Turkey, she's an amazing woman. Uh, but she kind of, yeah, retrospectively, she actually told me to do it. And then I didn't, yeah, I didn't know how to do magazines at the time. I, uh, so I was saying that my friend Dean, um, who I graduated with he was Dean Langley he was ID's art director at the time so I called him up and asked him about it and he said Quark Express Quark you have to use Quark <laughs> I'll send you over DVDs or well, he, he must have sent I can't even remember I think it was FedEx and so I got this Quark Express bootleg copy and it was Quark Express 3 or 3.2 and then I designed the first issue in, in my underwear on a bed in a really hot summer in Turkey so that was Biz Magazine And that kind of got us into publishing, I guess. And then um, I started an agency with some interesting Turkish guys. And we did more kind of uh, less magazine stuff, more uh, catalogs for fashion uh, industry. And then I did a magazine with November Painter, who's a curator, uh, who's now in Toronto, but she was in Istanbul working at Salt Gallery. And we did a um, really interesting one-off magazine called bkz um which was yeah again uh, an interesting kind of almost like a fanzine approach to uh publishing um and it yeah it was uh that was so they're, they're the two things we kind of kick-started the uh publishing and we got i guess we got a name for it and then when vogue vogue opened in turkey and we were put forward for the job to uh, this, by this point, I was working, started working with Ian, uh, and we'd actually just moved back to London. And then we got the job to go out and do Vogue Turkey for a year, which was. Is that if you've worked with Condé Nast titles, there's a, such a system to it, and so you learn the system for it. And images get go next to adverts. Things slow you down through the magazine. So this is very sort of. It was very. Still wasn't digital centric at that point. It was still very much sort of print. Uh, focused as then they've changed since then but um, yeah so it was interesting to do that we did it for a year and a bit a uh, year and a half and then came back to London and then that, that's when we met Richard um, who we were Richard Mortimer who had this idea for a magazine which was uh, sort of came out of his club night pony step that he was doing and that was so refreshing because it was Richard didn't really give a shit about what the it, it, about the any kind of publishing history or uh, any sort of system for magazine design. It was really carte blanche, and it was a lovely kind of anti-design aesthetic that he wanted that we we created. But there's, so there's, we created this thing which is sort of anti-design but has a has a finesse to it, which was yeah, it was it was a nice thing to try and get to, and I think we managed it. So um And th-
0: and this was Pony Step Magazine. So yeah,
1: the Pony Step Magazine, which is here, it's a massive thing. And it was so refreshing to us to do that after the constraints of having to be really commercial commercially minded for for the Vogue and that we did a GQ in Brazil as well and after the Vogue Turkey. So yeah, so Pony Step was a massive breath of fresh air for us. and um, it took us a while to kind of unlearn what we'd been just been doing for three years at Condé Nast Um,
0: yeah and so I would say it's probably fair to say then that you've had a pretty unusual experience of magazine making because most people who I speak to they start making their magazine because they've just got this thing they want to make and they're going to figure it out as they go and it's it's improvised and they, they make it happen you come out of university fresh graduate get handed this magazine t- told go on go and make a magazine so you immediately end up making uh, magazines for Condé Nast in Turkey and Brazil so by the time you actually come to making your own thing you've got all of this other experience f- to draw upon
1: yeah how um, it happened in Turkey how it started just because well, and sp- specifically why I, th- I think I ended up in Istanbul just because I was a fashion graduate and I wasn't. No one could really read me in Istanbul. It was just okay. Here's someone. There was no way for them. I think if you go for up for job interviews, if you you had the audacity to go to somebody who had who was sitting on that continent and said, "I'll do your magazine," and you're you know fresh out of school, then it wouldn't happen because they'd be able to. They, it just wouldn't happen in, in this country. And I felt so frustrated from that and. I had a good job. I was working at IDO up in Clerkenwell, and I spoke to my line manager who I got on really well with, and she helped me to kind of take the jump to just into the unknown of Istanbul. And it was so good to be able to have that fresh... um, to be given that whole magazine content and to say try something with it and and it yeah it worked out I mean there was a there was obviously I'd been doing some works in gra- in graphics before and lots of my friends in fashion school were all the graphic department next door to me so and my brothers my background was graphic design and we studied together in Liverpool actually so there was a there was always a sort of graphic thing coming through and it was but it was yeah, it was a very sort of nice cut plot to be given, which wouldn't necessarily. It's so hard to get that. I don't think, you know, I can't imagine that happening in the UK um, currently. So that, yeah, all that background helped to come into. Well, that's why we. That's that's why we're here talking about this party next door, right? Because that is where we finally got around to doing it for off for our for ourselves and to uh, not be pushed by somebody to. To, to make it for them so and this uh, this idea of a party next door we've been sitting on for a couple of years and we're just waiting for the right time to do it and it's kind of, it was just a sinking in of the idea and sinking in of the idea that we could be walking down the road with our magazine going to bookshops which is what I'm doing now I love it I'm walking down to like Claire de Rouen with a, with a really cheap plastic bag with a couple of copies of this magazine going to say alright oh, right do you want to take some magazines and and it's Yes, yeah, I, I love the fact it's come back to that. And yeah, so yeah, sorry, I'm sort of deviating from the question, but yes, all that history of doing it for other people and gave us gave us a lot of knowledge, a lot of ideas, but it was more of a stripping back of all that that came to Party Next Door. It was the photographer we worked with, Robbie Rodriguez, who we'd worked with in Near East magazine. Um, and the way that we worked with him for this is such a strip back version of our relationship working relationship together i guess because like for for the near east magazine we did a 54 page story with them in istanbul and it was lots of was sort of like a david lynchian uh, meta narratives all weaving in and out printing stuff off putting it on a tv shooting the girl in front of the tv and so and there's lots of big cinema lights huge production sort of four days three or four days shoot in istanbul and then we come to party next door and we just jump in the back of our producer's car with five disposable cameras and shoot stuff off from the hip. And we run into a, um, a goldfish emporium that we got kicked out of and we got a shot, which is the back cover of the magazine, which is this fish that's almost smiling at you. So, yes, it was a stripping back of lots of the the stuff that we learned, the unlearning of it. And,
0: and, and you've stripped it back to the point where, so you're, I mean, th- this is it's issue one. Yeah. It is a magazine, but it's not what people would recognise immediately as a magazine. So why? So, so tell, us, tell us what this thing is and why make it in that format.
1: Sure. So uh, Party Next Door started with the idea of me being back at my mum's house years ago in Scotland, or two years ago in Scotland, and she lives in the middle of nowhere with big thick stone walls and... I thought I heard some music playing and it transpired that it was my younger brother uh, my second brother, not Ian who was playing some music in the back room and so suddenly this idea of I'm um, sitting, having a sort of existential crisis some holiday in the sc- middle of York, Scotland yearning to be connected back to some sort of idea of my culture somewhere I'm from the sort of buzz of the city I guess and then so I love this idea of being able to put on this music, which could sound like there was a, something happening next door, whether it's a, a jazz trio playing in someone's dinner party in New York, or yeah, some interesting grime party in London, or the idea that you could be transported. But at, just to hear it for a couple of, you know, a couple of minutes or hours, or put on an album to heard through the next door and you're transported and you kind of relax and that existential crisis abates I guess so then we went back to London and discussed this idea more and then decided to, to record a party recorded a party with our intern who gets a massive credit on the on the this magazine um Uh, who recorded a party, sort of 16, 17 hours of a party, which happened next door, and she lives in a warehouse with lots of rooms off it, and they have um, parties quite regularly, so she knew the system, and she just put this recording device up and recorded 16 hours of it. So what I have, the magazine is um, a 15-minute edit of that put onto one side of a 12-inch vinyl, uh, cut by this really nice guy in Peckham who cuts for DJs all the dub plates uh, for DJs. So put onto vinyl and then that goes into a, a screen printed inlay sleeve which is screen printed by lovely guys up in Gospel Oak who've printed it. Um, it's a kind of grey stencil of a sort of repeating PND party next door logo uh, which becomes a sort of pattern. So this is what our studio is all about, I guess. Um, and then it's got nice white ink on top of that so uh, white and gray ink on a black inlay sleeve and that's put into a four color gatefold which has got an image on each of the four sides of the gatefold sleeve it's printed in yeah four colors uh, gloss and these are the four images that we chose uh, from our five uh, disposable camera reels with Robbie.
0: Okay, so we, we've got a, a party that is recorded from another room which is transferred to vinyl which is put out as a magazine inside a, a, a gatefold, like a, an album case. Yeah,
1: I guess I mean, that <laughs> we With... <laughs> thinking the we constantly kind of trying to come up with what's happening uh, next or getting a, this, our, our job and we 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 have this sort of byline of the sort of future of publishing and we did an exhibition called publishing rooms which was addressing the future of publishing room, uh, of publishing so what Then we strip back the idea of what constitutes a magazine we also do these workshops for young students we teach at the RCA and we we make these kind of quick Uh, one-day fanzines, which is the idea of sort of a constrained set of variables in terms of time, resources you've got to make a magazine about you, or a page in a magazine about you, in three hours, do it, and then suddenly the publishing, quick publishing makes sense it's a great vehicle and tool to be able to get ideas to the fore so magazines have an element of that um, quick thing for us it's the idea of constrained variables Uh, they also I mean, I moved out of Scotland in the first place because I couldn't find ID, ID magazine. I'd come down to London <laughs> and I went back up to Scotland to Waverley's, uh, and I was on yeah, near Waverley station. It was the news agent and asked for ID, didn't have it, so I knew I had to get out at that point. So those magazines have always been obviously extremely important to be able to, for you to latch onto something, to feel a part of something. So this is... It's image, and it can be text in future issues. We decided not to put text on this because it's just Robbie's images. Uh, so it's images and potentially text around uh, uh, so as, as an audio recording of something that happened. So um, that, for us, constitutes a magazine. Also, the way that you read it has this nice parallel with, you know, with if you opened up a... I still remember opening up a, a Michael Jackson Thriller, and you open, up, open it open up, and he's he's in the centre spread, and it, the the gatefold vinyl cover itself is a lovely thing to look at, and I remember reading cassette inlay sleeves uh, or reading the lyrics, and so there's, there's quite a nice action, and I think a lot of magazine uh, can magazines can be there's a nice way that they can be defined by the way you actually interact with them right? so you buy a hardback book, book and there's lots of confusion between things recently which are hardback books or magazines but actually there's a couple of things which I think define it one is that if there's adverts in it it tends to not be a book but I don't see why not why books can't have adverts in future or currently so that's not really one but maybe it's around the time that you spend the way that you interact with it if you know it's a magazine it's slightly more throwaway and slightly more you, you just want to get the headline the top line stuff you want to get your first reaction to an image or a story or a statement um, whereas the book's a bit you know, long form text long form journalism sort of is different to that so this in that sense this is definitely a magazine the way that you open up an LP and read all the lyrics of it there's, there's a nice uh, yeah there's something that makes sense with the action so yes it's a magazine in that sense we're not looking for people to store this I mean I imagine you know, when I moved out of Istanbul I had to decide what I was throwing away and what I was keeping and magazines one of the first things to go and since they just sat on my shelves I was proud of them I would pull them down sometimes I would but quite often do they just sit there but at the end of it I threw them away and I took my books back I shipped my books back to London so th- yeah that's, I think in that sense we're, we're trying to define what a magazine is and that's what this party next door is like if it's too heavy to ship don't worry about it take your I don't know <laughs> whatever your books and, don't, and leave this but there's a, but it does capture something of what's happening now it's, you pick it up and Robbie's images which we yeah, we shot was, with these you know, zooming, zooming around in this, the back of this car, they have that it's definitely a, it's capturing something, some like uh, the word zeitgeist. I'm trying not to use it desperately, <laughs> you can tell, but you can say does. zeitgeist, that's okay. <laughs> just edit it out and just uh, change it later for a different word. Um, but. It does capture that it does encompass something that's happening now just the the fact that the audio happened recently it was definitely happening somewhere the the like we were discussing before this recording this idea that the audio does give you a, a, a space to fill it's not like you're listening to music at first hand you are listening it there's a gap that it, it creates between your, which is the a different experience is created because you're one step away from the music and, um, like I was saying, I, I currently want to, I'm in the process of deciding which, or which of my sort of favourite albums of all times I want to hear next door because I I listen to this audio in my headphones walking down. To to the catch the tube in the mornings and it's a lovely way to, listen to audio now so
0: so you so this isn't just a special project you tend to like to listen to your music through a
1: wall <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I mean it's not I, I'm, I'm interested in it and I think this is this is this is a issue one of uh, hopefully this of a long series and we've already recorded a couple more parties I'm going to Kiev for a project uh, next month where I'll definitely record a couple of parties and like, a, I, want a, I want a brownstone New York jazz party thing to happen. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just living it. I'm, I'm living it. <laughs> I, I'm enjoying listening to audio through a wall. Try it, man. Which <laughs> is, which is, I
0: mean, the, so the, the interesting thing, I think, here is, like, this is the first time I can think of of someone saying the special thing about this is that we take you further away from the music. We put a barrier between you and the actual music, in a sense because maybe that's maybe the music's not really the point the the point is that this thing happened the so and maybe there we get towards how this is not an album release it's more a magazine because you're not really listening to the music you're listening to a piece of reportage about uh, a, a, an event that happened. Yeah. And you're, you're kind of marking time with it. Give us some of the highlights from this first issue. So you're listening to this, this first issue. What are some yeah. of the bits that when you're hearing it, you think like, ah, that is, that's perfect. That's what I want to capture.
1: So the fir- it's like five snippets of the whole night. So it starts at like 10pm with some sort of dub reggae being mixed then goes into... Quite sort of interesting genres of house, uh, and then ends up sort of techno. At four in the morning, and then I, I like the there's there were quite a lot throughout the recording. The actual full recording of people coming into the room, doing stuff, going out, and there's a lot of toing and froing and horrible weird sort of spine tingling conversations. <laughs> um, because
0: uh, of course the people didn't know that there was a
1: recorder in the room they did I, oh they, they did Right. Like, okay. everyone seemed to forget <laughs> or forget to <laughs> tell other party, people obviously yeah so there was there was uh, yeah judging by the stuff some of the stuff that went on it wasn't known but that's that's the stuff that we've deleted actually right. since right it's not it wasn't about that
0: so you're not a voyeur in
1: this you're the... no I think well I think it is quite voyeuristic to listen I think that maybe that's part of that space that we're talking about that we're creating with this audio I think there is a sort of quite a big voyeuristic aspect to it but yeah that's that's a step to that's a step in another direction and so what we have left on the final edit was I think on the last last segment which is when it sounds like it's daylight outside. There's a. You hear the, the chub lock opening, someone coming in and closing, and it's. You've been listening to all this kind of very bass heavy through the wall uh, throughout the whole recording, and then suddenly you hear this, this latch open, and then it's really kind of. It's really trebly, and you can imagine this latch. Suddenly you're, oh shit, that's. Okay, I'm there, all right, okay. And then so you're suddenly back into trying to picture it in, in a different way, and. So that's I think that that little click is probably the single most important part of the whole recording, but then there's a then there's a nice bit at the end that has two bits of music playing because there's one person who's put uh, their own music on in that room, and you're still hearing the the end, of, the very end of the tail end of the party in the next room. So this sort of yeah, it's almost it's almost like when you kind of come back to life after some meditation or there's that bit where he, sort of realisation of it so yeah, yeah it's going to have to get through it and it's a shame it would be nice to at some point maybe release more of the more, we've got a longer edit of it but for vinyl, for this way that we did it in this sort of dub plate system there's only 15 minutes per side and we like the idea of it being one sided um, the other side's blank just got a nice aesthetic uh, so that's, yeah, that's, the, that's my favourite part alright, thanks very much thank you very much
0: Okay, so there you have it. I promised at the beginning that this is a bit of a weird one. Uh, I, I'm really struggling to put my finger on it. Like, I really like the objects that they've made uh, and I think the audio is interesting. I think that like that bit at the end with the lock uh, and the party sounds a bit like Bjork with there's more to life than this. But the more I think about it, the more I don't think the party next door really is a magazine. I also don't really think that particularly matters and I'm really pleased to see Andrew and Ian pushing at the boundaries of what a magazine can be. But I just can't figure out what is the inherent magazineiness of the project. I would be very interested to hear what you think about all this, though. So if you have strong feelings either way, please do let us know. You can reach us at Stack Magazines on Twitter and Facebook. Or, of course, you can drop me an email on steve at stackmagazines.com. Okay, that's all for this week. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back with another episode next week.